2: Patrick
0: hi John did you want to tell the people what episode number this is John this is 399 we got one to go and we're at 400 almost there almost there (laughs) stay Stay on target
2: target. stay on target it's away however our 400th will not just impact on the surface it'll be a hit I'm calling it right now. yes It will be a hit. Chain reaction, if you will. We are the 30-something movie podcast. I'm John. This is Pat. Hi! Welcome to the
0: show. (laughs) Uh, Welcome to the show.
2: I don't know. Um, Pat, we are here to do Far and Away, the sweeping, romantic, Irish epic. yes. Which, it's a fun movie. Which, it, it is a fun movie. Like, we're going to betray it right now. It's a fun movie. The funny thing that I found out about this is that sometimes, apparently, and I, I reached out on Twitter, I, I did not get a response from, because by the time I reached out, it was probably midnight already in Ireland, from some of our Irish friends. I was curious to know if this is true. I had read in a couple of places that occasionally this movie is shown in Ireland as a cult classic comedy because of the accents.
0: I could see that happening. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, I don't know you that know, it's picked on for, for historical, because, I mean, it seems like from what I've read, it, for the most part, it, I mean, it's fairly historically accurate. It seems like they tried to be careful about that part, but apparently it's, it's sometimes treated as a comedy in Ireland because of the terrible Irish accents.
0: Yeah, accents, that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing.
2: You know, it's a little bit, at least it's not, you know, Kevin Costner in Robin Hood.
0: True. Yeah. True. Yeah. It's uh it's hard. Yeah. That whole accent deal is kind of hard. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they they have to say about that.
2: So we're gonna I mean we're gonna dig right into this movie. Yeah, I betraying it right away. It's it's a fun movie. We do have some other stuff to kind of share with you right off the bat here. I've got it's been a little while since we've done some movie news, so I've got some movie news, Pat.
0: John, it's movie news time. It's movie news time. Here's the news. Another action-filled
1: adventure. Here's the news.
2: All right. So the news is that apparently, and I know we had talked about this a little while ago, there there is a sequel to Beetlejuice that is currently being worked on. Or, Yay! Or it's in pre-production or, or something along those lines. And apparently it had kind of maybe fallen by the wayside a little bit, but apparently Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder are both on board to be in the movie. And I guess it's picking up some steam now because Brad Pitt has come on as one of the uh, producers for it. Oh, so interesting. apparently they're kind of inching a little bit closer to this actually being a reality.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. I, you know, we, we could, we could do more. I wonder if, now I'm trying to think. Danny Elfman, he does the music. Tim Burton. Timothy was the Burton. Yep. He was the director. Did he write it too, or was he just the director? I think
2: he wrote it. Okay. But so far they they don't have him coming back for the movie, at least not yet. Okay. So. So I'd be curious to see. I mean, that would be I would be a little interested. No, actually he did not write it. The story was written by Michael McDowell and Larry Wilson. Okay. And Larry Wilson did screenwriting work for *A uh, Beetlejuice* and the '91 *Adams Family*. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but no, Tim Burton did not did not write it. Okay.
0: So yeah, I'd be,
2: I'd be curious to uh, be curious to see what happens with that. Yeah, Especially I Especially if they don't if they don't bring back Tim Burton, I'll be curious
0: to see kind of stylistically what it will look like. Right. Because I would say that is such a creative, unique vision yeah. that Tim Burton provides that I I think you'd be hard-pressed to uh, do that without him.
2: It is so, it's so Tim Burton. <laughs> That'd mm-hmm. be like doing Pee-wee's Big Adventure and not having Tim Burton do it.
0: Right. Right. That would be difficult. Yeah. So...
2: Um, uh, I, new
0: Beetlejuice movie, new exciting Be no times.
2: That's all I got. I mean, that was the only movie news thing I had at the moment. So well, that's that's what I got for now.
0: Good times, man. Good times.
2: But yeah. All right. So I think we can we can probably just hop right on into the movie here. You know, I was I was thinking a second ago we were talking about Irish accents or people trying to do accents, and it made right. me, and it made me think of you know Kevin Costner and you know, sometimes people supposed to do an accent and then you you just kind of give up and you're just like no not even i was watching a a movie that i had seen a while ago i was was re-watching it not too long back and it made me think of a line in this movie have you ever seen the movie seven psychopaths i have not you have not okay so there's this funny scene where they're like out in the desert and um christopher walken kind of goes he's obviously oddly enough he's walking up to uh, these guys, and the one of them, you know, pulls a gun out, and he's like, "All right, put your hands up." And it's just the his response to this, in my mind, is Kevin Costner's response to being told he should do a British accent in uh, Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Put your hands up. No. What?
1: I said no. Why not? I don't want to. But I've got a gun. I don't care.
2: <laughs> i love it i just the, so you you got to see this movie at some point just the look on his face it's like put your hands up no no <laughs> well put your hands up no <laughs> why it's not standing i don't want to i've got a gun i don't care <laughs> it's outstanding so that's what i think of sometimes when i think of like people that have been told You need to do an accent for this movie. And then they don't even really make that much of an attempt. Right. But yeah. All right. Well, the movie we're going to be talking about, actually, before we do that, because this is our first movie of this month. Uh, So we got to jump in the DeLorean. We got to go back in time a little bit. Back in time. Got to get back in time. Back in time. Okay. So we are going back to 92. We're going to March of 92. Oh, Oh Um, my goodness we got some news here. March 29th. You're going to appreciate this because you and I did the episode on it. March 29th of 1992, the 12th Golden Raspberry Awards.
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Winner goes to Hudson Hawk.
0: Hus- he, they don't say and Hudson Hawk. I don't even know what yeah, that is supposed to mean. But that was, it was alliterative. Yeah. You had the H's. It, there it is. There yeah. it is. Yeah,
2: fun movie. Births for this one. Okay, so this is going to make us feel old. Okay, good. March 17th of 1992, John Boyega, the English actor. Who played Finn in The Force Awakens? Okay, is born in London. All right. So I see London. I see France. March 23rd, Kyrie Irving, the American basketball player who was number one in the 2011 NBA draft, was born in Australia on March 23rd, 1992. Okay. The deaths for this we We had quite a few deaths in March of 92. Sad month. Uh-oh. We had on March 4th Arthur Babbitt, the animator who did Mr. Magoo and Goofy, died at age 84. Oh, also on March 4th, Christian K. Nelson, the inventor of the Eskimo pie dessert, died at age 98.
0: Oh, geez. Good for him.
2: March 14th, Ralph James, the actor who played Orson in Mork and Mindy, died at age 67. Oh. March 17th, Grace Stafford Lance, the cartoon voice of Woody Woodpecker, died at age 87. And then March 29th, Paul Henreid, the Austrian actor who played Laszlo in Casablanca, died at age 84.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, Getting some, a,
2: a farewell to some people there. A farewell to, to quite a few people, about five people. So, yeah, kind of a little bit of
0: a depressing month. Yeah, no kidding. No.
2: Top sports, March 23rd, the Florida Marlins begin selling tickets. They're a brand new expansion team. Okay. March twenty sixth, uh, Mike Tyson is sentenced to ten years in prison on a rape charge. Okay. Top books were *Rising Sun* by Michael Crichton and *The Pelican Brief* by John Grisham. Okay. Top movies were *Wayne's World*. *Wayne's World*. Party time! Excellent. Uh, *Wayne's World* was one of the top movies. *Basic Instinct*. *Basic Instinct* was one of the top
0: movies too. And yeah, okay. uh, *White
2: Men Can't Jump* was one of the other top movies. Oh,
0: okay, cool. So some good movies. We should drama. have that. We should have that movie coming up. I think the other two we've done, right?
2: We have done. We have not done Wayne's World. Uh, oh, Wayne, yeah. Wayne's World's going to be a little bit later. We've done Basic Instinct. Let me consult the Book of Armaments. It's not Armaments. Consult the spreadsheet of film, Chapter 3, Wayne's- Verses 21 to
0: 22. And it's Wayne's World, and what's the other one? A White Man Can't Jump. White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, those are two great films. And the
2: Lord... <laughs> Spake from on high and said, we shall do Wayne's World and white men can't jump at the end of August.
0: Mm, okay. Amen. A little back to school action there. Which,
2: a little back to school action. So let me, may I excite you further?
0: Uh, <laughs> go right ahead. Okay.
2: I, I Hold on. I'm going to, I got to queue up the, the, the correct sound here for when I tell you what else is going to happen in August. Okay. Okay. So jumping ahead to August. August. Actually, if anybody wants to hear like what's going to happen you know, like this summer, we've we've I've talked I think on other episodes about what's coming up in the next few months. When we get to June, June. Uh, let's see. Actually, when we get to July, I'll skip over some stuff here. When we get to July, we're going to be doing Batman Returns, Batman Returns, Reservoir Dogs, oh, the Reservoir. Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks. Then we get to August, and August. Got, good month. August is a good month. We've got sneakers. Oh, we yes. got Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Oh, okay. We got okay. Captain Captain Ron. Captain Ron. We got Wayne's World. Wayne's World. We got Wayne's World. White men can't jump. There it is. And Pat, it's so pretty. Do you know what we're doing for our Patreon episode in August, John? What are we doing for our Patreon episode in August, Pat? We're doing Pat's favorite motorcycle movies.
0: Oh wow. That's exciting. Dreamweaver. I
1: believe you can get me through
2: the That is how Pat reacts to motorcycles and Monica Bellucci.
0: That is outstanding. Pretty much the same reaction. That is it is the same reaction. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Motorcycle movies, John. That's so, outstanding. That'll be fun. Pat will. Pat will basically be just a small puddle on the floor by the
2: time we get done with that episode.
0: I know. Have you figured out the format for said episode
2: yet? I have not yet. It's that's in August, so I got some time. I mean, okay. I don't have I don't have much time because you're going to start bugging me about it. But
0: yeah, I probably am because you're probably I gonna mean, need uh, like
2: four months to get ready.
0: Yeah, I know. Because yep. there's probably like what like eight to nine hundred motorcycle movies that we could talk about. I, I would imagine so.
2: This one, this one's going to take some prep. So, but anyway, that's what we got coming up. So, and Exciting. then uh, to finish off our this month in '92, top songs were "To Be With You" by Mr. Big and "Save the Best for Last" by Vanessa Williams. Wow! All right, Patrick, are Is you that ready? Mr.
0: Yeah. Is it, I, I am ready. After I ask this question, it's yeah. the Mr. Big song. It's that "All I Wanted." be with you deep inside i hope you feel it, feel it. Mm-hmm. is that that the one yeah all right yeah that was painful that was painful that wasn't as good as the Dreamweaver thing that's all right
2: that's all right i i mean i guess i have recorded this one but i won't use it yeah yeah well yeah, you can go ahead and use it I, but right, uh, i guess i could use it yeah
0: I, I I don't know that one as well as Dreamweaver, so okay. I was falling all off the key and everything. And here we got I, I think I got, uh, got a little something here.
2: It's like, an, if you, it. and if you watch the music video, it's like an eighties hair band, but they're like super mellow and super chill. <laughs>
0: that's what i want to say and i had forgotten like i i now i know how that lyric goes but yeah were they an 80s hair band or were they yeah so i don't know john i don't know i don't i don't remember mr big quite as much yeah, well, yeah. exciting times so okay so the only thing i know that we're talking about now we're talking about 80s metal and Motorcycles. What? What are we talking? What is the movie we, we're talking about? We,
2: we've actually come here to talk about Far and Away. Believe it or not.
0: Far and Away, <laughs> Ireland. I love it.
2: I am Tom Cruise. Once, once I brought up the motorcycles, I knew I had completely lost you there for a minute.
0: Well, I love Tom Cruise, man. I got a, I got a crush on Tom Cruise. Let and me there, tell you that. And there, unfortunately, there are no motorcycles in this movie. Uh, yeah, but you got Tom Cruise, and he loves motorcycles, yeah. and I mean he's he, going to
2: feature. He basically has a horse that's like a motorcycle at the end of this movie.
0: He is I have no wish to fight you. <laughs> I, I I love Tom Cruise. Yeah. God bless it I like watching that are, guy in the movie. Are we going to try to do terrible <laughs> I can't try to do a terrible accent. I just okay. do terrible accents. Heck, my own accent sounds horrible to me. I it's just
2: I just I mean you we could attempt it. I just don't want I mean either either Podrick, our our good friend over there in Ireland, either he's going to think it's so ridiculously funny or be so offended by it that he – I know he listens to us when he drives. I don't want him, like, driving up in the middle of a roundabout just because we started doing terrible Irish accents.
0: Yeah, you know, we don't (laughs) – I don't want to anger Ireland. No? Number okay. one. Yeah. I, accents, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't do, I can't do accents. Go back, go back to the hunt for red October. It's, I got to find the timestamp, but there's at some point you and Bo both do yeah. the uh, Sean Connery accent and then I do it and it just gets quiet. And I think, funny. and I think you both are, I, I don't, the way it comes across when you listen to it is you both are like, uh, Thanks. Thanks, Pat. We're going to go ahead and mute your microphone now for the next hour. I mean, it's like it's like literally cue the crickets. That was like Bad. We,
2: we had a we had a meeting at work today and we were talking about something and it was related to needing to finance something. And the, and the person <laughs> that we have, our, our business manager in our school district, you know, we're all sitting there in this meeting and. It just happened to be that at the time she had gotten an email that she needed to look at because it was something that was pressing and timely. But somebody asked a question related to finance just as she started looking at this email. And so they asked a question about something that was going to be expensive and the room just got dead quiet because she didn't hear their question.
0: That's outstanding.
2: And the room got so quiet, all of a sudden I chime in and I go, I'm I'm the technology guy, so I'm not related, I'm not in, in this conversation much at all, but I chime in and I go... Well, that's pretty bad when you mention something about money and the business off- business manager says
0: nothing at all and the room goes dead quiet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. <laughs> that is outstanding, and that is what happened when I tried an accent. So, uh, you know,
2: I but I don't feel like your accent was that bad. Maybe it was just a delay in the uh, in the Zoom call nope it was that bad it was that bad
0: okay all right it was that bad John. Okay. it was really bad it all was right. really bad
2: well i'm gonna say if anybody wants to hear accents done right I, it's the only reason i i don't i don't really go on tiktok for much of anything at all because yeah it's just sometimes it's it's the part of the world that makes me sad about humanity but the thing i do what? go on to tiktok the, for is funny baby videos what's
0: that is it the internet? Is that the part of the world that makes you feel bad? The internet. It's that well. That the part pe- of that part of the internet. Yes.
2: Is uh, I, I go when I do go on to TikTok. It's for it's for watching uh, videos of people with Irish or Scottish accents. It's for watching videos of cute puppies and babies, and that's pretty much it. Hmm. All right. But I do love. There I, are some really really good videos on TikTok of people like they take words that are very difficult to say in English, like in an English accent or an American accent, and they try to say it in their either Irish or Scottish accent. And some mm-hmm. of them are just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. So when I need a when I need a, a moment of levity in my day, I will I will head on over there and, and check those out. But I while I will sometimes on occasion attempt a very, very bad Irish or Scottish accent or something like that, I, I'm probably not going to do that tonight because mm it makes me think of when I moved over to England for a few years, when I first moved over there, we had moved from Texas to England.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
2: I was constantly having my accent made fun of by the British kids. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh. John do you, did you bring a gun with you, John, when you came from Texas, did you ride here on a horse? No, I, <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Yeah. Do, you, do you have a friend named Andy? Does he like to eat candy? No, actually, I, I don't.
0: <laughs> uh, that's all right. You guys talk funny, too. That that was what the Brits came up with when they were making fun of you was Andy and candy?
2: Yes. Do you have a friend named Andy, and does he eat candy? And then they laughed? And then they laughed.
0: Well, guess.
2: Uh-huh.
0: To I, I'm just I'm just gonna leave it there
2: Pat, I'm just I, gonna leave it there Pat I don't want to anger anybody but I think we won the revolutionary <laughs> war based on sense of humor alone
0: <laughs> there it is man there it is
2: before anybody oh. gets upset I, I I absolutely love the British sense of humor as well I yeah I'm just but it wasn't funny so
0: no. It's, yeah, yeah I well I just it breaks my heart if you're getting made fun of I don't like that I don't you know
2: Oh, I gave as good as I got. It was
0: fine. Oh well, then, then oh, it's yeah. all good. Oh yeah, no, I I could once I I mean it was
2: it was a little rough for the first few weeks, and then kind of once sure. I had once I had my uh, my feet underneath me, I was like, all right, <laughs> okay, right now I did a little, little bit of the uh, knuckle cracking. I'm like, all right, now let the American unleash on you all.
0: Yeah, then you flexed so, on him. Oh, and... I
2: was I was totally fine
0: at that point. Good.
2: No, good. Uh, no no problems. Good. No issues at all. Well, and what helped was. The, the almost immediately after I moved there, they were like, actually, we're doing a play in which we have to have American accents, so we're so glad you're here.
0: Yeah. I, see, now, I, now uh, you all see, want something.
2: Now, now, can you do a Chicago accent? I'm like, I've never even been to Chicago, so no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want your character from Dallas? Like, well, no, uh, Bugsy Malone is not from Dallas. Like, well, all right.
0: That's like the three amigos. me uh, tequila is <laughs> like beer. Yeah, <laughs> Chicago is like Texas. Yeah,
2: it's like Texas. It's, you know, same country, right? You, told, you guys yeah. all talk the same. Yeah. yeah. No, my friend Andy, who likes candy, is from Chicago.
0: Oh, well, there you
2: go. Yeah, there you go. You all made fun of him, and now he's not here. But our movie this time is far and away. It came out on the 22nd of May, 1992, rated PG-13, with a runtime of two hours and 20 minutes, Directed by Ron Howard, a, a, an amazing, amazing director. He's done so many great things. It just I, I don't even have to look him up when I need to like find other movies. I'm like Cocoon, Apollo 13, Solo, Willow. I mean, just start rattling off stuff and just so many great movies.
0: Yes. Our producers yes. for this one were
2: Brian Grazer and Ron Howard. Grazer also did Apollo 13 and Splash. Howard did A Beautiful Mind and Rush. Uh, Writers for this one, Ron Howard and Bob Dolman. Howard did Grand Theft Auto and Parenthood. Dolman did Willow and SCTV. Cinematography was done by Mikael Salomon, who did Backdraft and The Abyss. Editor for this one was Daniel P. Hanley and Mike Hill. Hanley did Rush and Frost Nixon, and actually Hill also did Rush and Frost Nixon. Music was done by John Williams, who did Star Wars and Jurassic Park and pretty much the rest of our childhood. Okay. Budget was $60 million. Box office was $137.8 million. Flickmetrics gives this one a 57%, and CinemaScore gives it an A. That was one oh. thing I was a little surprised of when you go to, because Flickmetrics combines, it does an average between Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and Letterboxd. But if okay. you go over to Rotten Tomatoes and you search up this movie, far and away, you are going to say, I was a little surprised at the scores that they had for this one on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So for this one, for Far and Away, they give it, here it is, it's a 50% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's the critic score. The audience score is a 62%, and that seems even kind of low for an audience score um, huh. on Rotten Tomatoes. So I was a little surprised. Yeah. But yeah. So right, we, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along, but... Um, a little surprised by that, but cinema score gave it an A. So people who actually went to the theater and saw it at the time that it came out clearly came out enjoying it. Yes. Starring Tom Cruise, who played Joseph Donnelly. He was in top gun and mission impossible. Nicole Kidman played Shannon Christie. She was in Moulin Rouge and Batman forever where she played chase, Dr. Chase Meridian and what a grand pursuit she must be hmm Thomas Gibson played Stephen Chase <laughs> Stephen Chase hmm anyway see yeah yeah it's it's all it's a circle of life Pat hmm it's the wheel of fortune all part of the plan there you go uh, he was in Dharma and Greg and Criminal Minds Robert Prosky, who died in 2008, played Daniel Christie. He was in Mrs. Doubtfire and Broadcast News. Barbara Babcock played Nora Christie. She was in Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman and Hill Street Blues. Cyril Cusack, who died in 1993, played Danty Duff. He was in The Day of the Jackal and 1984. Colm Meaney played Kelly. He was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek The Next Generation, and Con Air. Michelle Johnson played Grace. She was in Death Becomes Her and Waxwork. Clint Howard played Flynn. He was in Austin Powers and Apollo 13. And Brendan Gleeson played the Social Club Policeman. He was in Cold Mountain and in Bruges. Joseph and his landlord's daughter, Shannon, travel from Ireland to America in hopes of claiming free land in Oklahoma. The pair get sidetracked in Boston, where Joseph takes up boxing to support himself. When he loses a pivotal fight, the two are left penniless. Now faced with poverty, the two must find new ways to scrape by, as their affection for each other grows, Joseph questions whether he is truly what Shannon needs in her in her life.
0: For hundreds of years, his people worked the land, but they could never own it. The bed in their hands. Work my own land someday. From director Ron Howard comes the story of one man
1: who wanted more. I'll stab you through. Father! I'm Joseph Donnelly,
0: of the family Donnelly, that you pushed off our land. Get him upstairs!
1: Our duty is to
2: restore him to full health so he can hear his own neck crack when he dangles from the hangman's noose. Shh.
0: I'm running away. You're brave. Come with me.
1: He left behind
0: everything he knew. Shannon! Yeah! For freedom. You can be my serving boy. Don't call me
1: boy. In my imagination, America is a wonderfully modern place this bit of a sniff
0: anyway? Huh? She's my sister,
1: and I'm your mother.
0: <laughs> but even in the land of the free, nothing but an ignorant Mick. Everything has a price. We haven't eaten for three days. I work for food. I don't hire Irish. All they have left is their dream. But America was built one dream at a time. Maybe this is my destiny.
1: Jealous. I can make money as fast as you can. You just watch me, snuff her. Stop this. <laughs> is, is out of here. Us? Yes. You love me. never seen anything like you in all my living life. Stay away from her. Do you hear me? Someone could get shot. Joseph!
0: You're not in Ireland anymore! Joseph!
2: All right, so one uh, word or short phrase, Pat, how does this movie make you feel? Happy.
0: <laughs> happy.
2: It's kind of a how rem- about you? It's kind of a reminder of and and you know you you see this in anything you read about this movie. Kind of like Ron Howard's attempt at bringing back some of those just like sweeping epic movies. Um, yeah, of like like a Gone with the Wind or a, something like that. You know, this you can clearly tell he, this was he was trying to make this his Gone with the Wind. Yes, yeah, and so this this actually for me was the first time I had seen the movie. Oh, yeah. Well, this is
0: exciting, John. Right?
2: I, yeah, I had not seen it all the way through. I I knew the premise of the movie and I had seen several scenes of the movie, but I had not watched the movie from start to finish. Okay, all right. So, so yeah, no, it was, it was fun to, it was fun to watch this and fun to realize that from what I could tell in, you know, in, in doing a little bit of research on the movie, you know, try not to spoil too much, but um, trying to do a little bit of research. It seems like from what I could kind of gather is that there's, this is one of those movies where there's not a, not like a ton of historical inaccuracies. Yeah. I, Like it it makes it seem like they were very intentional about trying to be as accurate as they could, you know, still, obviously it's a movie. So still you're going to take some artistic license with some things, but yeah, I mean, it it seems like it's for the most part, it's, it's probably not, you know, crazy far off.
0: I'm just going to say that the little bit that I've read and and what I've tried to study of, of Irish and especially those that emigrated to America, I, I, I want to say that kind of what they were depicting was, was was rep was was positive you know positively represented what am i trying to say was pretty accurate i guess i'll just say it that way and all that kind of thing so yeah I, it doesn't it doesn't clang because it's like oh my gosh that's not how it was kind of a thing at least in my limited understanding again i as always whenever i make sweeping statements like that i would love for someone to say oh well actually check out this book or this firsthand account or this Whatever, but, yo, I think they were, they did a pretty good job of showing kind of what the deal was. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, because you, I know that Ron Howard was, you know, part of his reason for making this was to, you know, even explore his own ancestry. I believe that at some point, and this is a little, this is obviously towards the end of the movie, but I believe I read somewhere that he had at least three, relatives that would have been involved in one of these like land races. Oh, wow. Okay. uh, When you had the Oklahoma land rush that he had some relatives that would have been involved in that. So, so that was kind of, that was kind of fun to find out. Cool. So it kind of seems like, yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like you have somebody like Ron Howard who has the family background, you know, has had, Irish immigrant ancestors that came over to America, you know. So his way of of creating a sweeping epic historical movie, but also exploring his own family background and some of that. And so, yeah, I think it's you know just from from the get go, it's it's an enjoyable movie. I, I've I've read some of the different reviews after having watched it, and you know some of those reviews are are fairly harsh or kind of negative towards the movie, and they kind of you know some of them will. Say things like, "Well, it's kind of, you know, it's bland. It, there should have been more action. There should have been more, more tension. There should have been more of this. There should have been." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. I maybe, and maybe that would have made some parts more interesting, but it's not a bad movie." No, I,
0: yeah, I enjoyed it. That was fine. Yeah,
2: and now the only the only criticism that I think you you could definitely lay you know <laughs> lay on the movie is the accents, the Irish accents of our two main actors, which we've already kind of talked about a little bit. but And I I wonder, we kind of talked, my wife and I talked about this as we were watching it the other night and said, you know, if it was today, they probably would just have gotten actual Irish actors, you know, to play these parts. But when you're looking at it for 1992, I mean, that's still back when you're not going to hire an Irish actor that nobody in America knows. You're going to hire Tom Cruise. Right. And you're going to hire, even though Nicole Kidman hadn't done as much up to this point, you know, what was it? Days of Thunder was probably her other big role before this. You're going to have Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. That's who you're going to have.
0: Yes. Yes. You're you're, you're
2: not going to have an Irish actor carry this unless it's an Irish actor that everybody in America would instantly recognize. (laughs) Right. So that's just kind of the, the reality of it. Exactly. Agreed. Today, though, I think that would be different. I think if you made this movie today, I think you would. I, I think at least there would be an attempt made to hire Irish. I think, because I think the film industry in Ireland is so much bigger now than it absolutely was back then. Right, okay. You have so many TV shows and so many movies that are getting filmed in Ireland because of tax breaks and things like that. I th- I absolutely think you'd have a, a cast that is either completely or predominantly Irish. Hmm. Oh, yeah. No. So well the story starts off, we start off in Ireland and we start off right away with that we get a little bit of a, a text scroll at the beginning to tell you that tensions are high between landlords and the uh, the people that live on the land and uh, pretty much immediately we have some we have some residents there in the town that are you know the the landlord has come to town and they are ready to give them give him a piece of their mind. And in the midst of all that, the, the one guy gets injured, and it's the father of Joseph Donnelly. And so when they bring their dad mm-hmm. back home, we see, you know, they're trying to, to work the land. The brothers are fighting with each other, and they bring their dad back, and he is pretty much moments away from death. So we're already kind of getting the the hardships of living during this time and in Ireland, so we're getting a, a sampling of that right here, and it's just like it's like one thing after another. It's the dad dies, but oops, no, he came back. He wanted to tell his son one more <laughs> thing, which which that was kind of funny. And funny then that that, you know, happens at the end of the movie, too, to bring the whole thing full circle. It's like, oh, you were dead. I, I know, but I had something else to tell you. Um, and But, I mean, like the, the constant, they're already struggling. They're already mm-hmm. not able to make the rent on their land, which is which is probably higher than they would ever be able to pay at this point. The dad dies. They're going to bury the dad. The guy's Stephen Chase shows up and, you know, puts the notice on top of the dad's coffin that they haven't Mm -hmm. paid their rent in so long and then rides over and burns their house down. Right. I'm like, right. And I'm like, all right, well, on occasion, I have a bad day,
0: but it's not quite like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty. uh, It's pretty harsh, man. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean, they were definitely yucking their yum. Mm
0: hmm. Well, yeah, and I think you got a kind of a pretty good representation of how the lower classes in Ireland were being treated. Yeah.
2: So from there, we've got the youngest, uh, Joseph Donnelly, is wanting to go get some revenge on the landlord. And so he, uh, he does not really have a lot of great options when it comes to artillery. No. So he, he, he takes what he has. Uh, and he goes off, and uh, we have the the funny scene in the pub where he's trying to sit there and mind knows, mind his own business, and the guy comes in and he's buying around for everybody, and and next thing he knows, that is actually the Mister Christie that he's been looking for, who is the owner of his uh, family's land, and um, decides that he he needs to finish the job and needs to to murder him. <laughs> And uh, mm-hmm. not long after that, you get the funny scene of him trying to follow a drunk mister mm-hmm. kind of along the road, and he just cannot, he's the most hapless murderer ever.
0: Yes. Is it, yes. And what well, does he, he
2: say at one point? He says something like, this is a very difficult murder. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, he's obviously not a murderer. Right. So, you know, he's he's got some struggles with all that.
2: So he's trying to track him down. He ends up he ends up in his in Mister Christie's barn at one point, and that's where a little bit later on he sees Shannon for the first time as she comes in riding uh, from uh, from riding her horse, and then uh, we kind of get the sense right away that she is not she doesn't fit in well with her family. She wants right. to be much more progressive than they are, and she's mm-hmm. going, got her own thoughts about things. But uh, they end up confronting each other. She stabs him with a pitchfork. <laughs> yep, and that's uh, that kind of. Makes him a little less mobile than he would mm-hmm. otherwise be, and he right. does get his opportunity. Once he runs out of the barn, he gets his opportunity to confront Mister Christie, and the gun blows up in his own face.
0: Yeah, he broke one of the cardinal rules, and that's yeah. you know never use a weapon unless you've personally test fired it yourself.
2: Oh, good. I, I you you said that, and I was like, never going to land, never get involved in the land war in Asia.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's, that's you know, one or, the or go up against or go up against the Sicilian when death is on the line. But yes, he, you know, the gun does not, the gun fails him. Although it kind of works out. Okay. Long run wise. I mean, you know,
2: that's a, you know, that's a common theme this month. We, we watched uh, death trap for our Patreon Mm -hmm. episode. And there's a scene in there where, you you know, he ends up firing a gun that he thought he loaded, but he didn't actually load right before that. And right. Right. That didn't work out well either. Nope. So if you learn nothing else, from the 30 something movie podcast. Never fire a gun unless you personally have loaded it and you've checked it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. The more, you know, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. so at this point they are nursing him back to health. According to Mrs. Christie, it's so that he can hear his own neck snap when they hang him, you know, that's wonderful bedside banner. And eventually <laughs> through, series of events he ends up escaping and kind of helping shannon christie to run away she's decided she's had enough with her family and she wants to run away to america she wants to go to boston Mm -hmm. and so they they get on the boat and this is kind of where they start the whole routine of you know he's got to act a little bit like her servant and he's not so thrilled with that and he's he's starting to get a little protective of her as well there's still kind of a a little bit of animosity between them, but he is getting to be a little protective of her in some of these early scenes. I I did skip over one of the funnier scenes in this, and that is the scene of when they are nursing him back to health and uh, he is laying there in the bed with nothing but a bowl Mm -hmm. uh, covering himself. And so one of the, I've got a funny little uh, trivia thing in here is that when they were filming the scenes and you know, when they film you know, scenes like this, the the actors are not actually nude when they're filming the scenes. They oftentimes sure. are wearing underwear or they're wearing, I think, you know, at, at different times they have like stickers that they can put on themselves to cover up oh. uh, some of their sensitive areas.
0: Oh, um, stickers. Okay. And things like,
2: yeah. And uh, so apparently he, he was wearing underwear underneath the bowl, so mm-hmm. that... Not everything was visible. And during the scenes where she would sneak over and lift up the bowl and take a look at him, Ron Howard was not happy with kind of her facial expression when that was going on. So the next time they were ready to film that scene, he told Tom Cruise, in which they they were married at the time that this was being made. Um, But he told Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise, he's like, hey, for the next time we film this, go ahead and take your underwear off. (laughs) He's like, all right. There you go. So, when you see her in the movie and she lifts up the bowl, it's because she was expecting there to be underwear there. And the, yeah. So it was a uh, both the reaction and the filming were au naturel.
0: Yeah. Well, there it is. There it is. So, yeah.
2: So a slightly better, somewhat related, but slightly better trick than what we heard happened with Basic Instinct.
0: So. Right. Right. Yeah. That's. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that movie. We're done we now.
2: We did. We did. I, I need the soundbite that they use in uh, the Greatest Generation podcast. So what we've got here seems a little
0: pervy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: So they so jumping ahead, they're, they're on the boat. They're running away. They meet this aristocratic gentleman who is going to help them when they get to Boston. And she kind of shares that she has taken some of her family's silver spoons to be able to trade for money so that they will have plenty of money when they get there and, and she's she's kind of got the makings of a plan. What is it? Star Lord has twelve percent of a plan in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, is that what it is? Yeah. She's got about twelve percent of a plan. And
0: yeah.
2: and she is no Star Lord. So the plan does not work out well.
0: No. The no. Nope. The plan does the not plan go well is-
2: and so they uh yeah, so they get off the boat, and the the guy, he hints at, the guy that they met on the boat, he kind of hints that, well, yeah, he, he's from Boston, but he had to leave for personal reasons. Well, they get off the boat, and this uh, rich gentleman who was supposed to be helping them, he ends up getting gunned down in the street as soon as they get off the boat, and all of the spoons that he stole from them go clattering onto the ground, and everybody rushes and
0: steals them. Mm-hmm.
2: And so now they got no money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, it didn't work out so well.
2: So they are they are basically starting from scratch and They they kind of different people have been like getting in their face on the street and saying, hey, you're you're off the boat. You Irish. You got to come see the ward boss. You got to do that. So people are like shouting and throwing stuff in their face and trying to get their attention. And and so knowing that they don't really have any money or any other options at this point, you know, I think I think Joseph kind of realizes, all right, well, this ward boss, it sounds like we'll be able to get work or we'll be able to get some help Mm -hmm. or whatever here. Let's go check this out. Let's go find out mm-hmm. what's going on here. So they do, and they they end up meeting with Colmini, his character, who is the ward boss. And mm-hmm. that is uh, what was the ward boss's name? His name was Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch- Kelly. Kelly.
0: Kelly. Kelly Michael's
2: name. Yep. Michael Kelly. Michael. Yeah. There's Michael Kelly. Yeah. And so they don't ingratiate themselves to him right at the very beginning because she, I think, did, did Shannon scream and that distracted him while he was in the middle of his fight and he got half of his tooth knocked out?
0: Yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, because the one guy got slugged and the blood flew up in her face. And
2: Yes. Yeah. So he <laughs> yeah. was not super thrilled with that, but I think he also realized uh, very quickly that Joseph was also capable of fighting, so he knew that he could use him somewhat to maybe make some money and— and uh, right. advance his own causes. Sure. So, so they get put up in a house of ill repute, uh, and that's mm-hmm. where they're going to stay. And they do, you know, they do lie a little bit so that you know they can get by and be taken care of. He does. Joseph does say that Shannon is his sister because he feels like if they knew that they, if they felt like they weren't related and that she was an aristocrat and, and he was, you know, a regular average person that she probably wouldn't be treated very well based on who she is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you figure all the people there, you know, at least have however, whatever generation or fat, whatever they are probably were experiencing a lot of the same stuff that you see depicted in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So probably not a lot of, uh, understanding there. Right.
2: So I, kinda, as the movie progresses on, we get to see a little bit more of, of their experience and their life. And you get little hints of things, you know, when they're working in the, when they're working in the factory and just some of the ways that the, the bosses are treating the employees, you know, you, you getting a little bit of a hint at some of the beginnings of the time when labor laws were, were being put together and, and being formed. And so you're getting little snapshots of pieces of American history from this time period and what did i and 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 i'm i'm thinking this is correct but i believe that around this time so the the latter half of the 19th century i believe i i read that the irish were 40 percent of the immigrants coming into the country yeah i I feel like it's something
0: like that yeah i would think it would be pretty high
2: yeah it was like 40, 40%, 40% or half of the immigrants coming into the country in the latter half of the 19th century were Irish. And so mm-hmm. you, you just have a lot of it, especially in cities like Boston and places like that, you know, you just you have a, an influx of people coming and a lot of times it was because of kind of what we saw in the beginning of the movie, that things, as things were getting worse and and conditions were not improving for the folks back in Ireland, you did have an influx, a pretty big influx of Irish from the middle part of the 19th century. I think it was like 1845 to the mid-1850s was during Mm -hmm. the potato famine. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: so that's when you also had a pretty big influx. So I think part of the other immigration piece is because we're looking at this in, what was it, 1893, I think is when this is mm-hmm. taking place. So you're looking at, I think a lot of family members were coming over to join their family that may have come over in the 1840s, 1850s, and 1860s, you know, to join up with them, to, to kind of reunite. But things were not getting any better in Ireland, and so you had a lot of a lot of folks were were leaving and trying to, you know, start a brand new life in America.
0: Right, and, you know, I know that, you know, they've looked at it in a, a modern context. And I know that there was a the famine, what do they call it, the blight, you know, on the potato crop and all that. But I know that there was some pretty bad stuff happening from the British towards them too. I mean, to the point that I, I was reading one book that was describing kind of what was happening was, you know, could in a modern context be considered like genocide. I mean, it was it was some pretty bad stuff going on. And the Irish were were in a pretty bad way. And you, you read about some of the boats coming over, they call them coffin ships. And I mean, it was, it was a life. Life was not easy. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, I, th- I think some of the time, some of the things that some of the things that you read, I'm mean, depending on who the source is. I think a lot of, I think a lot of what you find now. And I've, I've heard different, takes on this is that in recent years it has been determined by some historians that it was a genocide that the, the British knowingly um, and purposefully did things to cause mm-hmm. the potato famine. I've heard other people argue that, well, yes, they did purposefully do things that would make life difficult, but they didn't purposefully do things to kill The Irish people and I don't know, Mm -hmm. some of the evidence you see is like it makes me a little it's a little hard to believe that (laughs) you would do some of these things and not expect people to die. So I think it's I think it's still it's it may take a little bit more time until it's, you know, either confirmed or or whatever that, yes, this was a, a deliberate genocide of the Irish people or it was just a horrible series of events of yes, being mistreated by, you know, another country that was ruling over you at the time. And so, yes, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what to, to what degree, because that was something I had just heard even just like two or three years ago was certain historians were now classifying the potato famine or the great famine as a, as a, as a genocide, but then not everybody has agreed on that yet. So.
0: Right. Right.
2: Either way, horrible, but. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it was, you know, obviously we're not tries, trying to cause any more international strife, you know, with our podcast, but I mean, it was definitely challenging times, yeah. you know, to be sure.
2: So yeah, I'm, I'm not. If anybody listening, cause I know we have people listening in in England and Ireland and and all around the world and all the ships at sea. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm basing that off of different things that I have read and I have seen. I've seen and heard different reports from all kinds of different people saying that yes, it is. No, it's not. It's somewhere in between. You know, I'm not enough of a historian of that time period to speak with any kind of authority on any of that. So I would. I would tell people to go do their own research. Mm-hmm. Read some books. Exactly. Read lots of books. So. so yes, so we get to the point here. They are, they're living together in a room in the, the house of the ladies of the night and pretending to be brother and sister, which is, is, you know, causing some humorous and, and awkward moments when they are living together in one room and they are not really brother and sister. Mm -hmm. so we have Mm -hmm. a few moments here or there and then as kind of the movie goes on like joseph starts to get you know his his star is rising as he is getting more and more of these fights he's he's not losing and so as he continues to rise he's getting nicer clothes he's you know he's big man about town and things are going pretty well
0: there is a yeah yeah go ahead no i was just gonna say yeah he's He's figured it out. Well, you know, he he doesn't I think he starts just by working and then he has a fight and he realizes that yep. he can make a lot more money with a fight than yeah. you know just grinding it out. Yeah. He
2: doesn't want to fight you, but he will.
0: Mhm. Exactly.
2: There's a funny part. He's walking around with his new hat and his new clothes and everything else. There's a scene where Nicole Kidman's character where Shannon and some of the other ladies are walking around and they see this brand new dress with the kind of the roughly shoulders and the, and the, the sleeves and everything else. And then there's a couple of fancy ladies that come out of there real, acting real snooty and everything else. And, and they just they're making a comment about that dress that's in the window. And a funny little trivia thing about that is the dress that they are admiring in the shop window is Mm -hmm. one of the dresses that is worn by a Miss
0: Clara Clayton in the last scene
2: of Back to the Future Part 3.
0: Yes, yes. I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs)
2: Love it. We, one of the other things that I wanted to mention here is a little little trivia tidbit. Although the dialect coach had over 17 years of experience, this film was the first time he had to teach the cast to speak in an Irish accent. And interestingly oh. enough, Nicole Kidman, based on her character's backstory and, and her upbringing, she would not, at least the understanding is, she would not have spoken in an Irish accent. Huh. If she was a well-to-do landowner's daughter in Ireland at the time, she would have been brought up speaking with a mostly English accent. There you go. So, but they kind of, they assume here that that would have probably confused different audiences from around the world. They're like, well, she's from Ireland. Why is she not speaking as if she's Irish? They just mm-hmm. decided to give her a more educated Dublin accent.
0: Right, right.
2: Right. But yes, if it was, if that part was historically accurate, most likely she would have been speaking with a British accent. So yeah, so then we actually we get to the point where the fight then suddenly does not work out so well because the one of the other well-to-do gentlemen in Boston takes a liking to Shannon, in the middle of the fight where Joseph is fighting the uh, the Italian, and uh, gets a little distracted and he's not so happy with how uh, that one gentleman is trying to make friends with Shannon. Right. And,
0: and the, I found, I found this scene just frustrating. It was like, okay, just say, okay, give me five minutes before I fight, get her out of there so he can fight without yeah. being completely distracted. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of like, come on, come on. Yeah. But the fight, Anyways, continue.
2: Uh, the fight was pretty painful. Cause he gets distracted and he gets punched in the back a few times. Yeah. I'm like, yikes, yeah. that's, you're going to need to give that guy a new set of kidneys. But the, uh, the fist fight does not go well, Enterprise. And he ends up losing. And, and when he loses, he loses big time because there was big money on this fight. I mean, that was going to be the money. You know, they, they even matched the amount of money that he was going to get. He was going to get 50 50 from the one guy. And, and then Kelly was going to match that. And so, I mean, we're, we're looking at having hundreds of dollars on this fight. And that was going to be their money that would finally allow them to get away from here, to get out of Boston and continue on with, with her dream. I mean, her dream had been to go, that they were giving away free land in Oklahoma, and that was kind of mm-hmm. her dream, to go get this land and have her own land away from her family where she can live out her life and you know, do things the way she wants to do them, ride her horses the way she wants to ride them. you know. And, and the whole first part of the movie, it kind of reiterates the whole idea of land. Like, we're doing this for land. You know, Joseph's father said, land is a man's soul. Like, you have have to have land. And so that's kind of been the driving force so far in this movie. But then you have all these instances of, they're kind of like sabotaging themselves and and doing things that is really pulling them away from what would get them the land that they're looking for. Right. So we're veering a little bit further away from land, and my kids would start cringing to hear me say this. We're veering away from land and into love yes it's all about love it's a love story pat
0: all you need is love that's
2: right as my dad would point out pretty much every story is a love story and that's how he would describe movies to us but and actually i did that the other day i was like it was it was friday night pizza night i was like okay guys i have three movies for you to choose from and uh, they're pretty much all love stories but i mean i can i can pick the love story they're like dad that doesn't even help us understand what the movie might even be Right. like You just you call everything a love story. I said, I understand because everything <laughs> is a love story.
0: My, That's outstanding.
2: My father taught me this. I'm trying to teach you this. Not everything's a love story. Name a movie. I'll tell you how it's a love story. <laughs> the movie we ended up picking, if anybody wants to go watch it, unfortunately for this movie, it, it was a fun movie. It suffered from being released October of 2020 when no one was going to theaters because we had this thing called COVID. And it it right? shut the world down. The movie is actually called Love and Monsters. Oh, it is, a, it is a fun little movie. I think, was it rated PG? Might have even been rated PG. I don't even know if it was PG-13. If it, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, watched the movie with the kids, and they had a great time with it. It is a, it's a movie, I believe an asteroid was going to hit the earth, and the world's governments banded together, and we're going to blow this asteroid out of the sky, and they did. Unfortunately, the nuclear fallout from the weapons we used to blow the asteroid out of the sky mutated all the bugs on Earth to become these giant monsters. Oh. And so, well, that's too bad. Giant bug monsters and giant frog monsters and all kinds of other stuff have taken over the Earth, and people are living underground. And the, the premise of the story is this one kid who's been living underground for the last seven years decides that he's, he's tired of being scared and hiding all the time. He's going to go try to find the girl that was his girlfriend, his high school girlfriend, when the world fell apart seven years ago. She lives. He knows she lives in a colony about 80 miles away, so he's going to go find her, but he's got to travel on foot to get there. And it's obviously very dangerous to go outside. Got it. That's the rest of the movie. But it's, it's funny. It's a really funny movie, and it's actually not, I'm trying to remember if there was a whole lot of, you know, terrible language in it or anything like that. It was, it was just fun. You know, so, I mean, we watched it, the, the whole family watched it together, and it was just a fun little movie. Cool. So, so, yes, anything is a love story.
0: Anything is a love story. Everything is a love story. Everything is a love story. And
2: this one is definitely a love story, because that's where we start to go from here. Right. Because they're basically put out on the streets. All their stuff is taken from them because that's how Kelly is going to recoup his losses from this this fight that did not go well. They are basically out on the streets. They go for several days without any kind of food. No one will hire them. Nobody wants to hire Irish, so nobody will hire them. They end up breaking into this house at one point, because it looks like it's abandoned, or at least no one's there right now. And they just, they need a moment. They're going to get some food. And, and it's in this scene where they kind of start to express and and share verbally their love for each other that they really haven't said out loud up to Mm -hmm. this point and just as they're about to kiss the homeowners come home yeah and that's when things just go from bad to worse
0: because they are then
2: running away from the house and shannon ends up getting shot in the back
0: Mm -hmm. not good
2: not good and it's at this point, uh, Joseph had heard earlier on that her family, because he had heard a little bit earlier on that her family was actually in Boston. They had come and they had come looking for her. I meant that they were there and he, he heard where they were staying. So when she's shot at the back and he can't get anyone else to help him, he's, he's begging for help on the streets. He finally decides, look, I I have brought her nothing but pain. I'm not what she needs. I need to bring her back to her family and they can actually care for her because they have money and they have Resources and, and whatever. So he takes her back to them and he then runs off. And we, we skip ahead a little bit further. It's, it's several months later. We see that he's been working on the railroad all the live long day. And she and her family are traveling traveling out west on the railroad that actually he built and we kind of we get to the point where they all meet up just at the beginning of this you kind know, of this this land race that's taking place in Oklahoma. And so it's uh, I believe that was about 1893. Yes, I believe that when was that the that date. Takes place. Yes, 1893. And so the idea being that this is that there was this race that was set up, and it was you you get to the starting. Of course, you're going you to get shot if you try to go past the starting line, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to the starting line and you I think there were there were a few of these there was the I was looking this up earlier there were 7 total I believe starting in 1889 and going mm-hmm. from there and it just kind of these this was a regular thing that they as they moved further west and a lot of times as the land was taken from you know some of the native tribes that were there
0: it was a little glimpse of
2: You get a little glimpse of it. That is maybe one of the things... I mean, it's already a a two-hour and 20-minute movie. That is one of the things I wish maybe they had... I mean, it's not the purpose of the movie. Yeah, you do get a little glimpse of it. I, I almost wish more had been done with that. Right. Because if you're trying to show... If you're trying to show how the Irish were mistreated and how their land, the land that they had lived on for generations was taken Mm -hmm. by another, you know, more powerful country and they were being kind of forced off of their land. Right. I kind of wish that that had been a little bit, that had been confronted a little bit more. It's not, I know it's not the purpose of the movie. I I get that. But I don't, the, the irony of that being glossed over is just kind of, it's like, eh, Right. Yeah. But I get right. it. I, I, I understand. I understand that at that point, like, to even, that's a whole other story. Like, that's its own movie. So, I I get that. That But that is one of the things that I was, like, just getting that glimpse of. Oh, You know what? It's kind of like when we talked about in uh, A League of Their Own. You get in, league, yes. in league of their own, you get that one glimpse of their yes. the there's yes. the, the group of African American women that are standing off to the side and and you're like you get a glimpse of okay here's here's another group of people that are not being given the respect that they deserve and they're not given the opportunity that they need, yeah, so I mean, I guess in a way this is this movie has a similar moment in that you know half second when you do see the the group of native peoples that are there waiting as this is about to start, but I don't know. Maybe just the, I felt like a league of their own in that one very quick little moment. You felt the gravity of what that was trying to show you, even though it wasn't going to take a lot of time out of the movie to do it. I Mm -hmm. felt like the scene of showing the native peoples at the beginning of this race didn't give enough time to it or enough gravity to it.
0: Right. It was too No, I get what you're saying. They could have done more to, They could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: So, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the only things about this movie that I was like, eh, I wish they would have done that just a little bit differently. I I wouldn't have given it more, no, a ton more time because it, like I said, it's, it's not the point of the movie, but I felt like it needed a little bit more gravitas
0: maybe. No, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So,
2: yes. So we have the, and, and actually, uh, before we, before we finish the recording for this episode, just before we started recording, I did get a voicemail from Jason Colvin, one of the co-hosts of the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. And he's also one of our Patreon co-executive producers. He did send us a quick uh, voicemail that I'm going to play here in just a little bit related to this because he lives in Oklahoma. And so that has some some historical implications that are near and dear to his heart you know that his his state is featured in this movie as the destination that they're trying to head to so um, so yeah so we'll we'll play that here in just a little bit and he left a left a nice voicemail for us but yeah so here we are it's it's the end of the movie it is we've gotten to this land rush we have some funny moments of joseph trying to buy a horse you know he doesn't have a lot of money and there's not a whole lot of options left Uh, he buys his horse (laughs) and then one point he he comes out and his horse is dead
0: Right, right. I've got a fine horse, a reliable horse. <laughs> and then he comes
2: out, his horse is dead, and the guy just goes, That's the oldest horse I'd ever seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. So then so he, he ends, ends up, up
2: he ends up going with the one that was kind of the wild horse, the one that was not quite broke yet.
0: Right. Right, I sold him that
2: horse. So, so we have some funny moments there where he's trying to get this horse under control. We also see that Shannon and her family are there, and we get the sense, of course, her her father cheats, and they come, you know, they go running off to to stake their claim before they're supposed to be. You know, lucky for them, they didn't get shot before they're even supposed to be out there. Uh, they went out to go stake their claim, but Stephen, who you you get the sense now, it's been months later, and Stephen and Shannon are likely to be engaged and married once they've staked their claim for the land. And so he is there with her, ready to go get their land. She meets up again with Joseph, you know, not sure that she'd ever see him again, but so now we're off and we're we're chasing down the same land. And this is just this was a great scene. Here at the end of the movie, you just see all of these wagons just crashing left and right and people racing and falling off their horses and people shooting each other for their land and it's just it's interesting because we've also been at, at the same time we watch this movie we've also been watching that TV series 1883 have you watched that one at right all? I have not y- you need to watch that
0: that's on what channel
2: it's uh, right now it's on Paramount plus okay so it is it's the offshoot if you, I don't know if you've been watching this one or not it's the offshoot of or it's like the prequel series
0: of Yellowstone. Interesting. Okay, I know you've talked about it now. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yellowstone is a little bit, and I think I shared this before, Yellowstone is like if you mixed Longmire with The Sopranos. Okay. It's kind of got that vibe to it, but this is the, so this is the prequel series called 1883, and it is the grandparents or great-grandparents of the main character in Yellowstone. Oh, cool. And the whole premise is that their family, and it's uh, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are the two main actors in this show. Uh, Sam Elliott, too, from uh, Tombstone is in there. And the main premise of this show is they have come from Tennessee, and they are going to make their way. The plan is to make their way to Oregon. So they're in Texas. They start in Texas near Fort Worth, and they're going to make their way up the trail north and then cut across and go over to Oregon, and that's where they're planning to go. And things, let's just say things happen. I'm going to leave it
0: at that. Lots of things. All happen. right. Okay. They get into adventures along the way.
2: Adventures along the way. Let's just say it's also a miracle that anybody ever made it out of Texas alive. All right. And that's even just the start of the trail. So, so, I mean, you watch, you watch that show and then you, we, then we watched this movie and we even just, my wife and I made the comment to ourselves. We're just like, it is so amazing. And I know that these are fictional tellings, but it has to have been true so many people just came to this country with no plan right they just sold everything and they're like i just got to make it to america and now i got to make it to oregon or i got to make it to oklahoma or i got to make it to wherever well what's your plan oh, i don't know i just got to get there mhm and you just you you see the devastation that that and, and, and not through any fault of their own. They just didn't know what to expect. And it's not like you had Google back then, so you can't right, go Google right. all your answers. And same thing with this, this land rush at the end of this movie. It's like my wife and I are sitting there going, with that kind of terrain, why would you think you could run a race in a wagon? Right, like, right. Unhook one of your horses I, and <laughs> have, I, if you can, I if you've got more than one person in your group, have somebody stay back with your stuff so nobody steals it. But unhook one of your horses and go.
0: Yeah. I No, I agree with you. And I, I, I often thought that too. And then I wondered if like, well, is it that you couldn't find that many, you know, people that are trustworthy that could watch your stuff for you? Right. You know what I'm saying? I, if,
2: yeah. If you were by yourself, if you didn't have your family with you, then I guess. Right. I guess you didn't have too many other people that could defend the wagon. And sure. Yeah. Sure. But, yeah, so, I mean, that that last scene is, is pretty intense. Like, it's – that whole land rush is like – it's like watching Braveheart and watching the armies just charge towards each other. Right. Except everybody's running in the same direction, and you're running for land.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is the big race that, in all reality, the whole movie is kind of driving towards this. Right. Yeah. So. So
2: even if I, – I think some of the other – some of the criticisms of the movie – or things like, well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really exciting, there wasn't enough tension. There wasn't it, so I mean, I feel like if you thought that way about the rest of the movie, you probably kind of need to shut up once it gets to this point.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of not sure what more intensity you need. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, they're all kind of racing across. And there's wagons going down, horses jumping and rearing up, and. Shots ringing out and people getting shot, and the whole thing, yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, I don't know, maybe people went and made a popcorn run when that scene was on, yeah, maybe and they just missed it for whatever reason.
2: So, the older Christie's stake their land, and mm-hmm. we have Stephen and Shannon are racing down there, but I mean. Joseph on his wild horse that is just racing past everybody else mm-hmm. is also there. There's a point at which they they kind of go downhill into a river and Shannon falls off her horse and Stephen, not exactly the most chivalrous of gentlemen, is like yelling at her to get back up and like we gotta-. I know. Yeah, I was like at that point yeah, okay. We we know what's going to happen here. Tom's going to come save her and it's all going to be fine and and so we have, you know, so we have we have that moment where they kind of square off against each other and and then Tom gets the opportunity to the Tom, Joseph gets the yeah. opportunity to then race off and go get his land and you get the sense that he's going to get this land and it's also the land that she wanted. It's the exact spot she wanted. And then maybe they would have the opportunity to, you know, then be together at that point. When he gets there, though, he hesitates. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly it's not about the land anymore. And it's something has kind of changed a little bit. And then you get the part where they they kind of, Stephen and and Joseph, they kind of like are racing towards each other. And they tackle him and they get, you know, the horse lands on top of Joseph. Oh, yeah. And that just, I cringed at that point. I'm like, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> ouch
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: and so you get to that point you know he kind of he realizes that at this point shannon does not want him that uh, steven realizes shannon does not want him and so you know she she kind of stays there with joseph joseph you know kind of talking like his dad did at the beginning of the movie he's like oh i, I can feel myself dying i'm i'm leaving you know and then she you know Talks about how she loves him and doesn't want him to go, and you kind of see his what looks like the the camera is panning away and. I really
0: love that scene. Yeah, yeah, I I like that how they uh, portrayed, you know, like the soul leaving its body in this in this film. Yeah,
2: and then like his father, like like father, like son, he he does come back, and you know his his dad died twice, so um, Mm -hmm. you know Joseph gets that second chance at life too. And uh, so he does, he, he hops up and they are able to grab the flag and stake their claim and they have their land. And it, having not seen this movie before, I was like, all right, cool. We're going to see what happens. Th- oh, the end. <laughs> right. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> so I that was a little, that was a little jarring at the end there. I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? And like, oh, oh, it's over. Okay. Yeah, okay. movie's done. All right, movie's done. I guess time to go now. So that was a, that was a little bit of a surprise there at the end. But I was like, eh, that's okay. I mean, they, they did what they went there to do, and now you just you can imagine the rest of the story, I guess.
0: Right, right. I yeah, it, it was well, and the funny thing is, on this rewatch, now you said this was the first time you've seen it. Yeah. On this rewatch, I always forget how much of the movie really takes place in Ireland. In my mind, it was always mostly took place what took place in America. And a whole chunk of the movie really takes place in Ireland. And it's only the, the Western where they finally get their land is a really small part of the American experience mm-hmm. of yep. the movie, too. So, and that always throws me off, just kind of as I remember it, I always remember the scenes that happened later.
2: Right, right.
0: So... So, yeah, I, I, I don't, and I know that there was some, there was some criticism of the movie, you know, and, and, you know, people said it was, you know, not a super compelling story and it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And I guess, I, I don't know, they, the, the story got us from point A to point B. It was more just kind of wanting to show, like we said, you know, to the best of our knowledge, it, it seemed pretty accurate in the way the various people were being portrayed whether it was the upper crust, the lower crust of society, the machine politics in the city, you know, the, the claiming their land, you know, that we procured from the people that were already living there mm-hmm. as we move, you know, all of those things were pretty accurately portrayed. It was just, it was just kind of, you know, kind of just a, a simple adventure story, right? I yeah. don't know. I Like I said, I like the movie, so I, I enjoy watching it. Yeah. And I don't mind rewatching it ever so often either. So,
2: yeah. All right. Well, before we get into our three questions, I did want to, I mentioned earlier that we had a voicemail from Jason Colvin from the 30, uh, 30, I was about to say 30 something movie podcast. That's our podcast. They are the surely you can't be serious podcast. I think sometimes I get a little bit thrown off by that because when I hear the name of their podcast, I think about how ours used to start. Right, you know, back when we were doing the '80s uh, movies for that one, it always started with the uh, "Surely you can't be serious." I am serious. Yes, and don't call me Shirley. I think that's why right. sometimes I get a little bit thrown off with that. They are not part of our podcast. They have their own
0: podcast, a great podcast, a
2: great podcast. So if you have not listened to it, go check them out. The "Surely You Can't Be Serious" podcast, and it just they just did a series of on the uh, Batman movies, on Dark Knight mm-hmm. versus Batman '89. Excellent. Yeah excellent, excellent episode. So go check them out. But Jason is from Oklahoma and so he left us a voicemail just before we started recording. So let's hop into a, a little voicemail here.
1: I just called to say I love you Ed Rooney's office. Paris Bueller's online too. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this Maybe. line. Maybe. I guess you should have called. I did call earlier when using the phone. Earlier? When was that? Er, later, when then I uh, le- left a message. A message? What number did you call? Two four nine or five. Six seven eight. I
0: can't hear you, you're trailing off. And did I catch a Niner in there?
1: Hey guys, this is Thirty Something Movie Podcast Superfan Jason Colvin. Touching base with you all you guys are probably recording far and away tonight, and so I wanted to weigh in on that. Obviously that movie takes a little while to get to Oklahoma, but the last fifteen minutes of this I just totally love, being that it's my home state and uh sort of depicts the boomers and the Sooners and kind of explains that for all the people who think that's weird. But I'm anxious to hear what you guys have to say about that. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to hearing from you guys. Appreciate y'all. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah. Thank you very much. So now we we have – and. Jason's Jason's a good friend and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've known him for years and and he knows that that when I say this I, I say this out of absolute Uh-oh. love out of absolute love for him um, anytime I hear the words boomer and sooner I just my heart starts to hurt a little bit you know <laughs> b- being from Texas and, and being a Texas longhorn oh, fan boy. I anytime I hear that I just you know I it, just I don't know he brings up go. a good point is that those who you know th- this uh, where the boomer and sooner come from is the you know people wh- where it was being kind of like opened up the land was being opened up I mean it was known as boomers that they were opening up this land to to be able to do these races for and mm-hmm. for those people who you know we saw some examples of people getting shot if they entered the land too early as part of these land runs those were known as the sooners the ones that would enter too soon and those were the ones that either you know got shot or you know detained in some other way or whatever so the whole idea of boomer and sooner it's not just something that you know Oklahoma University fans or, or students yell at their football, basketball and other sporting events, but it actually is historically fits in with this idea of these these land rushes that they had in Oklahoma.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, like you know, like we said just a few minutes ago, obviously uh, it's, it's, it's great seeing it's great seeing Oklahoma here. and I'd say some of the most exciting footage in this film. Is the is the land rush that you see centered in Oklahoma
2: yeah yeah so so I would say I mean it it, it really it it pulled a lot of people like a lot of immigrants that were looking for a, a way to get started it just you know it just it just it got them inspired it got them interested I'd even say it it hooked them <laughs> yes would would you would you say it it hooked them? I would say it hooked them. It hooked them. So I, I, I say, I say, hook them, get them to come in and, and and get some free land there.
0: There it is. We love you, Jason. There it is. I, I, I'm just. I'm not getting in the middle of this. <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of this. I'm, I'm going to function as Switzerland in the Great American Land Race. Mm-hmm.
2: That's how my grandmother was was actually from Oklahoma. So she also functions okay, as, as, as Switzerland in our family from time to time. So, All so right, I, I do go. have. I some of my other friends or relatives from Texas would not say the same and I in good conscience can't support the sporting teams from Oklahoma but I am not going to be one of those that that will completely badmouth Oklahoma so
0: okay there we I, go so we can there we there can have a, peace peace and harmony yeah, peace on in our, our podcast peace in our time
2: yep but, uh, yes, yeah, so J- thank you so much, Jason, for, for sending in that voicemail for us. And, yeah, that was, I mean, that last 15, 20 minutes of the movie is just such a fun part of the movie. And it's what the whole thing has been building toward. And just always fun, you know, for that to be, you know, for, for where you live to be featured Prominently in a movie like this. That was we we kind of talked during the Batman episodes about that being filmed in Chicago being such a fun part of those Batman movies. So, yes, having a sweeping historical epic like this one end in Oklahoma with those land rushes is mm-hmm. so much fun to see.
0: Yes. Very much so.
2: Pat, are you ready for three questions?
0: John, I am ready for three questions. My
2: soul is prepared. How's yours? Mm-hmm.
0: He asks each traveller five questions, three questions, three questions. It's
2: impossible to
0: answer. It's impossible because you don't know the answer.
2: Nobody could answer
0: that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points,
2: and may God have mercy on your soul. I feel like sometimes when I ask these three questions, I'm, I'm going to go back to that clip from Seven, uh, Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Like When I ask these questions, sometimes I'm like, just name me one particular movie, or name me one play that you've seen or something like that from now on I, i'm gonna hear this clip in my head no what i said no why not i don't want to <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that is the clip
2: i'm just i'm gonna play that from now on it's like when mm-hmm. i've got with it we you know, and i'm guilty of it too that's totally fine but you know between jeff and dennis and. I, we're all like all right well i'm just gonna i'm gonna pull a jeff on this one and i'm gonna give you six right but i think that's one of the like one of the hallmarks of our podcast is we don't follow our, our own rules ever no
0: no so we, we exactly
2: i'm i'm a rebel a loner dotty all right <laughs> question number one what's your favorite non rocky related boxing movie or movie that features boxing should I read Dennis's novel that he wrote here? Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, well, I, I'm just going to throw in because should we start with Dennis's novel or should we end? Because Dennis is not, Dennis is, it's just, it is the list mm-hmm. for me. Okay. So let's read it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let's read, read it. it. Okay. So Dennis,
2: he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to join us tonight. So Dennis sent in his responses for the three questions. His response, he said, as we do, I'm pulling a mazuka here. And since he listed six, here's my six in no particular. Number one, The Boxer, young Danny Flynn. Daniel Day-Lewis is released from prison 14 years after taking the rap for the IRA and tries to rebuild his life in the old Belfast neighborhood. Number two, Triumph of the Spirit. Fact-based story about a former Greek Olympic boxer, played by Willem Dafoe, who was taken as a prisoner during World War II and placed in the Auschwitz prison camp. There, he was permitted to survive as long as he fought for the amusement of his captors. His father and brother were also held as insurance that he would continue to fight. Number three, Cinderella Man. Story of James J. Braddock, played by Russell Crowe. Supposedly washed-up boxer who came back to challenge for the heavyweight championship of the world. Number four, Million Dollar Baby. A determined woman, played by Hilary Swank, works with a hardened boxing trainer, Clint Eastwood, to become a professional. Number five, The Fighter, based on the story of Mickey Ward, played by Mark Wahlberg, a fledgling boxer who tries to escape the shadow of his more famous but troubled older boxing brother, played by Christian Bale, and get his own shot at greatness. And number six, Raging Bull, the life of boxer Jake LaMotta, played by Robert De Niro, whose violence and temper that led him to the top in the ring destroyed his life outside of it. So kind of as you said, I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, well, that's all getting added to the watch list. Mm-hmm. I've, oh, I have yeah. seen, I have seen some of these, like I've seen Cinderella man. I've seen million dollar baby, the fighter, the one with Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg has been on my list for a while to see. I have not seen the boxer of the one with Daniel day Lewis, but I have heard of it. And that one has kind of always been like in the back of my mind. I'm like, Oh, I gotta check that one out. The triumph of the spirit one, the Willem Dafoe in uh, the Auschwitz prison camp. I've never heard of that one. So that one's definitely no. on the
0: list. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So thank you, Dennis.
2: You, you're allowed to do six. When I ask for one, you're allowed to do six anytime you want.
0: Yeah, that was good. Yeah.
2: So was that basically your response too? You're like, I cede my time to the gentleman I, who already answered.
0: I, I cede my time. I cede okay. my time. I will say, I the one film that I really like, and I don't know how it ranks in terms of the boxing pantheon of, but the Will Smith played Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And I think the film is just called. Ali, yeah, and I really enjoy. I I really enjoy watching that one as well. Yeah, so,
2: so yeah, yes, indeed. I put a couple of them here. Uh, One because it has a little bit of a connection to the Irish as well, even though the person that I have in mind is not Irish, but trying to be Irish in this movie. So my my runner up is Snatch. Okay, Uh, the one where have you seen that one? Where the one where Brad Pitt plays an Irish boxer and he his his accent his brogue is so thick no one can understand what he's saying
0: i you know i don't know if i have seen that one no
2: okay it's i feel like it's done by the same was it the same director that did like Lockstock and two smoking barrels okay and some of those but i remember this being a, it was a good one got okay. it i, I feel got like it. i used to own this i want to say i used to own this on dvd and i don't know why i don't anymore But basically, it's, yeah, it's directed, actually directed by Guy Ritchie and has Brad Pitt, Jason Statham, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, got a bunch of people in it. It's basically, I think the premise is, if I remember correct, there's part of the plot is they're dealing with searching for a stolen diamond. And the other part of the plot is a boxing promoter who is having to deal with, you know, kind of some gangsters who are, moving in on his territory or they are violently trying to keep him under their thumb right so yeah it's got some got some funny moments in that but yeah i remember i remember watching it and some other great actors in here too like dennis farina who i think is kind of around from this area from chicago but yeah just a funny funny uh, and yes it is actually i was looking at it here it's guy Ritchie's first movie lock stock and two smoking barrels was kind of a, a similar idea
0: right Yes. Yeah.
2: So that's my runner up one. My first one is I, I've always loved this movie from the moment I saw it. I got to go fight club.
0: Yeah. Which is not
2: purely boxing, but I'm like, well, neither was the boxing in this movie. True. So, but I can't say any more than about that. Cause that's the first two rules. I can't talk about it. Yeah,
0: that's it, man. Not allowed to.
2: Question number two, favorite movie with Irish leads.
0: So many good options out there. I really like uh, waking Ned divine. Yes. Is really good. That's a good one. I know that the critic reviews weren't necessarily there, but I mean, I really love, what do they know? The, is it three boys and the girl from County Clare? the boys and girl from County Clare, uh-huh. yeah. And it's just about, it's just about the Irish uh, music competition. Call in it. There's a whole bunch of folks in it and it's, it's just great. Mm-hmm. Obviously the commitments that we saw, you know, late last year. Yeah. Late last year yeah. is another great one. So yeah. Those would be some of my movies with Irish leads that I like watching.
2: For this one, let's see. Dennis had sent in, he said, the movie Once, which I have seen. That's a good one. And then Honorable Mentions, he has My Left Foot, which I think we did a year ago, a couple years ago. Yep. Maybe. And In the Name of the Father, both Mm -hmm. with Daniel Day-Lewis in them, and The Commitments. Yeah. Which I think we just did last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mine that I have, I have probably one of my favorites being Othello. It has Kenneth playing the yeah. villain Iago in that one. This one, he's not the lead in the movie, but one of my other favorite movies is the it's a 2002 version of The Count of Monte Cristo. And Richard Harris plays the priest that is one of the other prisoners that the Edmund Dantes learns from. He learns how to read and learns how to fight and everything else in the right. prison. That he's in, yeah, Richard Harris plays him, and, and Richard Harris was, was Irish. One of my other favorites, and I, I was actually going to show this to the to the rest of our family. I don't think anybody else in my family has seen this, but I remember watching it a few years ago and really enjoying it. There's a movie called Sing Street. Okay. And it kind of takes place, it kind of mixes a little bit of, you know, the, the best part of what we love about 80s music and 80s culture. It kind of mixes that with a fun kind of like coming-of-age story with a bunch of high school kids in Ireland. So I I found a quick little on their website, the the description of it. It says, Dublin, 1982. Everyone is out of work. Thousands are seeking bluer skies across the Irish Sea. 16-year-old Connor and his schoolmates turn to music to escape troubles at home and impress a mysterious girl. With a score that embraces the new wave sounds of the 80s era, Sing Street celebrates the thrill of first love and the power of music. Well, there you go. So... Yeah, it was a, it was a fun little movie. I was trying to remember when it came out. I think maybe twenty sixteen. Okay, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a fun movie. Good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that one in there as one of mine. As well. and then question three: favorite movie about the immigrant experience. Dennis said, "Gangs of New York."
0: That was my. That was
2: at the top of my thought too. I figured that was probably going to be yours too. And then Dennis yep. also put runner up, Moscow on the Hudson, with I think okay. it's with Robin Williams. Okay. Okay. I went a slightly different route with this one. I I did a little bit of a mixture of the immigrant experience with a little bit of sci fi. Have you ever seen the movie District Nine?
0: I was just about to say it. I was just about to say, did you go District Nine? I I went District Nine. Yeah. 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 That one's that one's very cool. Yeah.
2: I remember watching that movie for the first time and thinking, "Ah, this is cool. This is different. Like this. I feel Mm -hmm. like this is different than other movies I've seen you know, dealing with this topic and dealing with it in a in a new and interesting way. Yeah, I I really like that. I haven't watched that one in a while. I might have to go back and watch that again, after I get yeah. done after I get done with watching all the boxing movies that Dennis listed. Right, right. Go back and watch District Nine again. Yes. Well, Pat, I think we that's it for the three questions. I think we successfully made it through this episode without any terrible Irish accents. I we, John,
0: we avoided the Irish accents. So I'm I'm. Super thrilled about
2: that. I'm glad that we could provide that service and not not scare off all of our listeners.
0: Yeah, I think that's important, to not scare off the listeners. And, you know, I I just, man's got to know his limitations, Mm -hmm. and I just can't do accents.
2: No. No. As evidenced by the crickets from the uh, Hunt for Red October episode. Hunt for Red October (laughs) episode. Listen to it. We we do have a Patreon co-executive producer, Podrick, who is from Ireland, so if anybody wants to hear... A real Irish accent, you can go check out the episode that Podrick was on. So that that would be a great time to do that. So, But yeah, otherwise, that's going to do it for this episode. We are the 30-something Movie Podcast. You can find us at 30podcast.com, at 30podcast for all the different social medias. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail. There is a little voicemail button on our website if you go there. Or if you want to call in, 872-356-6843. If you're old school and you've got letters on your phone, it's 87235. The next episode's coming up. We've got, let's see, for the rest of this month, we have Death Trap is our Patreon episode for uh, the month of March. And super, super excited because this was episode number 399. And Pat, what... It was my
1: understanding that there would be
2: no math. But what comes after 399, Pat? Four double O, John.
0: Four, Four double o. Hundred. Four hundred. 400. So I'm a little excited about that. That's 100 more than they had at Thermopylae.
2: That's true. We're a hundred greater than they were. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to take that far, but
0: yeah, I, I don't know.
2: I don't know. They had swords. Uh, they had swords. We got, I actually, I have a, I mean, I have lightsabers. Okay. All right. And I have a sword. Remember we found that wooden, like a um, samurai sword at school one time. Oh yes. I still have that. That's exciting. Yeah. So I do actually have a sword. Yes. I mean I still don't think it compares with the swords that they had,
0: but No. No. And see they know how to use them too. Are you implying I don't know how to use it? I am not implying how to use it. I'm just saying that there were three hundred of them that knew how to use it and I don't know, man. I'm just saying peace, love, and harmony. That's what I'm saying.
2: You've been Pat Splained.
0: (laughs) There it is. I don't know how there it it is.
2: I really don't know how I feel about that, but that's okay. All right. Now, we've got the, the 400th is coming up, is our next episode. So for 400, we are redoing the first. We're getting the gang together, and we are doing Gremlins, Ghostbusters, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So it should be a great time for that one. If you want to hear the original audio, we did finally f- clean up. I had a chance to finally do some work and clean up the original audio of our first ever recording. From February of 2015, the lost first episode, as it has been known legendarily on the podcast. It is there. It is on Patreon. So if you are supporting us at any level on Patreon, even just like a dollar a month, gets you access to all three of those recordings for Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Nightmare on Elm Street, It also gets you access to the, like, we're almost up to, we do them once a month, so we're almost up to a year and a half worth of additional episodes that are on Patreon at this point. There's almost 18 episodes up there, so plenty of other stuff. I I would say that that's well worth at least a dollar a month if you want to go check that out and join us on there. There are other perks there as well. If you want to join a little bit of a higher level, there's other perks, other ways you can interact with us, so go check that out too, but... If you want to check out our original recording of those, those are only on Patreon, but we're redoing the first next week for 400. And then we finish off the month with the last of the Mohicans scent of a woman, the bodyguard. And then as we get on into April, we've got high noon is our Patreon Patriot games under siege. A few good men, universal soldier, And then as we get into May, we've got our musicals, animation and musicals for that month. We've got Singing in the Rain is our Patreon episode of the 1952. And then we've got Cool World, Newsies, Aladdin, and Noises Off. So we have some great, great stuff coming up soon. And we are hoping that you are joining us each and every week for those. Pat, thank you for joining me each and every week.
0: John, it's so much fun. Great to talk about some great movies.
2: We always have a great time. All right. I'm going to go jump on my horse and... Go rush for some land.
0: That sounds good.
2: All right. I'll see you at the finish line. All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go run for some land. We'll see you back here next week.